Donald Trump's voice in Eyewitness News sounding uh, uh, quite robust, sounding uh, less reedy than it was late on Thursday when he was making public appearances and potentially um, being infected or infecting others with COVID-19. But Hughes went on a controversial drive around after tweeting and then today tweeting in capital letters. And it feels, Arthur Karras, Portfolio Manager of Macro Solutions at the Old Mutual Investment Group, that we're rapidly getting back to, to normal. Yes, I think that it's, um, it's, it's quite odd to have everyone focused on the health of one individual, but it is the leader of the most powerful country in the world. So I think that does give people a, a bit of comfort that he appears to be a bit better. I think because it's simply unprecedented uh, uh, to, have that, to have this happening um, ahead of an American election. And as you know, markets don't like uncertainty. Most certainly don't, um, but they didn't react with the huge level of panic that I thought they might if the leader of the free world was at death's door. Nobody ever suggested that he was, but often markets overshoot in panic and then will sort themselves out later. There was a bit of a wobble toward the end of last week and a, a bit of discomfort over the weekend, but nothing overtly serious. No, I think that we, we do know that the U.S., like any uh, reasonable country, has got uh, some proper succession plans in place. So it's not like the country would be rudderless. I think simply combining a pandemic with an election, with uh, you know, weak economies all around, um, there's enough reason for people to be nervous, and this is just another reason for people to get a little bit more, a little bit more touchy. Yeah, certainly the oil price over the weekend, as it appeared that Donald Trump was recovering, uh, the oil price came back to some sort of normal and and things settled down uh, quite nicely. On the JSE today, um, financial stocks, which have been such huge winners, particularly on Friday last week, with some really bizarre leaps of faith by investors, um, there was a bit of profit taking. Well, the financial stocks, the southern financial stocks are just extremely cheap. So they are about as cheap as what they were in the during the global financial crisis. Um, and as we know, we have got a very well-run banking sector here. All the banks have reported at least one set of results, and we know that they've made very significant provisions to ensure that they can weather the storm. Um, they followed the path of all the OECD banks in that they cancelled um, their dividends, or they've all held dividends. So effectively, this is all money that that been builds up on the capital side of things, so it, it, it helps to strengthen their balance sheets. And we can see that while things are pretty dismal, they're not, you know, it's not end of the you know, game ending for the banks. So um, seeing some of these things, realizing that the banks are going to be okay, reasonable comments from art, uh, from, from management teams with their results, is giving people you know, a, bit of, a bit of comfort that the banks are going to be okay. Um, and insurance companies, too, holding up very nicely. When we look at uh, the commodity sector, South Africa's commodity producers, of course, have had such a massively positive year. I mean, everything has gone their way, weakening currency. Um, we've had high commodity prices, and those commodity prices look fairly, fairly stable. They are. They very much are. And um, you've still got... Uh you know, you've still got China ticking along. Um, you've still got a fair demand for uh, full metals and for the broader commodities. There are some that, that you could be a little bit worried about. There's a big, big drive to make coal make very difficult for people to invest in. Um, but on the whole, commodities look good. And a, and a critical thing that's not visible if you just look at the prices, and that is that investment in new mines, um, be it uh, be it 
iron ore or, or, or copper or, or, or PGMs has been very, very light um, in the last few years. So there's no heaps of new supply coming on. And I think that's, um, that's helping to underpin the prices on a medium-term view. So if things do recover, there, isn't, there simply isn't a lot of new supply to come on stream and help dampen prices. What do you make of France's Canal Plus buying a stake in multi-choice? I thought that was particularly interesting. It is interesting. Um, it is a um, you know, multi-choice has got a very strong position in South Africa, um, and it's got a very broad African business um, where it provides very much the same service across Africa. That, that part of the business they've, they've struggled with over the, the last few years, um, and they, they they, they, they know that this is a something that requires focus and that they need to uh, that they need to improve. Um, but this is the engine that provided the cash uh, that um, that bought all of the investments in the NASPAS portfolio. So it's a it's a pretty good cash generative business. Um, there are concerns about uh, things like uh, Netflix coming along. I, I would say that it's going to be a long time before everybody in South Africa has has uh, sufficient. Uh, broadband to be able to stream Netflix, but that is putting a bit of pressure on the pricing, I, I believe, in, in multi-choice. They're simply not going to be able to keep on ramping up their prices at that, as they have in past years, but it's a pretty good business, and there's the, uh, there's a, there's a, the additional upside of getting the African business onto a stronger footing, and uh, Canal Plus, owned by Vivendi, um, the, you know, media assets are, are very valuable in today's world, and um, and by comparison to some of the global uh, ones out there, multi-choice probably looks quite reasonably priced. So multi-choice back in the frame, and uh, British-American tobacco seems to be getting some foreign attention as well, or global attention anyway. And we know it's not a primary listing on the JSE. It is a very much a global company, but investors uh, through the JSE can buy shares. And when you know, big institutions are keen on owning shares, you're in good company. Yes. I mean, British-American tobacco is one of those companies that it's been a bit... Bit of a mystery as to why it's been so weak, um, and, and and probably the reason for it is that um, is is that there's quite a bit of legislation that's come out that's um, governed, uh, especially things like uh, the um, the menthol tobacco in the U.S., which is a strong part of their business. That's kind of like made people a bit concerned about the business. Um, but I think that, 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 again, are a high cash generative business. Um, over medium term, you be pretty sure that the tobacco, the old heated tobacco part of the business is going to continue to either go very slowly and or shrink. Um, but they have a kind of strong portfolio of these new generation products, the vaping, the heat not burn products. And those are starting to gain momentum. In the meantime, we should receive a healthy dividend um, to make up for the, uh, you know, for the um, for the risk of uh, of where this business is going to go in the medium term. Arthur Karras, portfolio manager of Macro Solutions at the Old Mutual Investment Group.